Well, good morning. Thank you for joining us online today. Thank you for being a part of our church family. We love you and we're glad that you're here. We are in part 23 of our Reflecting the Light series. This is a journey that God has taken us on. He led us to this place. He led us to walk through the book of John to find out who Jesus is, to find out who he loved, why did he love, who did he oppose, and why did he oppose. So we're learning to love and lead like Jesus did. And in the beginning of John, in the very first chapter, it said that Jesus is the light of the world. And so that's why we call this Reflecting the Light. Over the last couple of years, we've been on this journey of being disciples that make disciples. We want to reflect Jesus wherever we live, whatever we do, wherever we go. We want to love the place that we live through the power of Jesus. So that's the journey that we've been on. Today we're in John chapter 11, which is our 23rd part of this series. We're halfway through the year, and, and, and quite honestly, halfway through the book of John. It'll take us most of this year to get through John. But we're in a story, one of the most amazing events in the life of Jesus when he walked on this earth. It's a story that maybe you've heard of and maybe you haven't. But it's a pretty miraculous story. It's one of the last miracles Jesus did publicly. It's one of the last things he did before he kind of went into seclusion for a little while and spent time training his disciples. But I wanted to look at the first 15 verses of John chapter 11 today. John 11 verse 1 says, A man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters, Mary and Martha. This is the Mary who later poured an expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was sick. So the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. But when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. So although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was the next two days. Finally, he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. But his disciples objected, Rabbi, they said, only a few days ago, the people of Judea were trying to stone you. Are you going there again? And Jesus replied, there are 12 hours of daylight every day. During the day, people can walk safely. They can see because they have the light of this world. But at night there is a danger of stumbling because they have no light. Then Jesus said, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but now I will go and wake him up. The disciples said, Lord, if he's sleeping, he will soon be better. Then Jesus, they thought Jesus meant Lazarus was simply sleeping, but Jesus meant that Lazarus had died. So he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I wasn't there. For now you will really believe. Come Let's go see him. So, some of you may remember Mary and Martha. They're in a very well-known section of Luke chapter 10 and the other Gospels. And it's the story of Jesus having a meal and teaching people in their home. And Martha's in the kitchen. She's doing all this work. She's getting all the food ready and she's, she's frantic. She's trying to, you know, here's Jesus in her house. And at that point, they knew Jesus was a prophet. They probably, they assumed that he was the Messiah. They were, they were, there was a lot of activity. And Martha went out to Jesus and said, Rabbi, teacher, 
my sister is sitting here while I'm in there doing all the work. Tell her to come and help me. And Jesus very gently rebukes her and says, look, Mary is doing what's right. She's sitting at my feet while I'm here. I won't always be here. So we have this very famous interaction, kind of talking about how we get so busy and caught up in doing for Jesus that we don't oftentimes sit with him. And maybe you've heard that story. Maybe you've been taught that before. This is the same people, this family, they love Jesus. Jesus was their friend. Jesus loved them. And so this sets the stage for what's going to happen. With Lazarus being Jesus' friend, Mary and Martha knew that Jesus had the power to heal. They had seen and heard the miracles that Jesus was doing. So they sent a messenger to find Jesus. Hey, look, your friend, the friend that you love is sick. He's dying. Come, please come. And when Jesus receives the message, you might think he's being a little passive. You might think he's being a little nonchalant about it. He's like, all right, this isn't going to end in death. And stays a couple more days. He didn't immediately go to the rescue. He didn't immediately run and go heal Lazarus. See, the reason why he does this is because he understood a bigger picture, which is what we titled the message today, The Big Picture. There's a bigger picture going on that we can't see, but Jesus being not only fully man, but fully God, he understood stuff that we don't. There are times in our lives when we're praying to God and asking him to do something, and he just waits and he's silent because he understands a bigger picture. So I want to pick up this story again in verse 16, and we're going to go down to 32 this time. So I want to kind of move a little further along. Verse 16, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, said to the fellow disciples, let's go and, and die with Jesus. Remember, Jesus said, it's time to go. And when Jesus arrived at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus had already been in the grave for four days. Bethany was only a few miles down the road from Jerusalem, and many people had come to console Mary and Martha in their loss. When Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him. But Mary stayed in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if only you had been there, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask. And Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Yes, Martha said, he will rise when everyone else rises at the last day. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live. Even after dying, everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this, Martha? Yes, Lord. She told him, I've always believed you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who comes into the world from God. Then she returned to Mary. She called Mary aside from the mourners and told her, the teacher is here and wants to see you. So Mary immediately went to him and Jesus stayed outside the village at the place where Martha met him when the people who were at the house consoling Mary, saw her leave so hastily they assumed she was going to Lazarus' grave to weep. So they followed her there. When Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if only you had been there, my brother would not have died. Such an amazing event. I mean, I, I, I want to focus in on a little bit on Martha. 
Martha gets a bad rap in Luke 10 for gets a little rebuke because she's so busy doing. And we talk about that instead of just sitting at the feet of Jesus. But at this point, I want you to see the faith of Martha. Martha's faith is something that is huge. It's next level. When Jesus arrives, he already knew she was dead. So when she met him in the road, I can't imagine the feelings of Martha. She comes in at that moment and she expressed great faith in her words. Look at verses 21 and 22. Martha said this to Jesus, Lord, if you'd only been here, my brother would not have died. One, she believed that Jesus could have prevented that. She knew he could heal. But the second part is what's even more miraculous. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask. That's next level faith. Because she's implying, even though the next phrase kind of says, you know, she's like, yeah, we know Lazarus will, will raise again in the last days. She's implying that Jesus, if you want to, you could raise him from the dead. Jesus, you could do whatever you want. We know this. She expressed great, great faith. Now, I want you to put this maybe in our terms today, and I don't think they were that different then. Martha could have, she was close enough to Jesus that she could have in her frustration and in her, that, that Jesus didn't come when, when she summoned him, she could have just went and just yelled at Jesus, why didn't you come? My brother died. Why weren't you here? Didn't you love him? Don't you love us? Have you ever heard somebody yelling those things, especially out of anguish, out of pain? They don't necessarily mean the harshness that's behind them. Some people do. I can tell you numerous people that say, hey, I don't serve God because he didn't do this. He didn't relieve my pain. He didn't answer my prayer. Or we had this conversation with the shootings that happened with the children in Texas. How could God allow those things to happen? Where was God in those moments? Mary didn't do that. She believed that he was the Messiah and made a pretty bold statement. She said, look, I know you could have healed my brother, but I know that even now God will do whatever you ask him to do. She was heartbroken, but she didn't yell at Jesus. She didn't come and tell him, why have you done this? She didn't say, I can't follow you if you didn't save my brother. She simply just said, look, I know you can do anything that the Father allows you to do, that the Father gives you that grace because he worked in tandem with the Father. She knew that the Father would listen to Jesus' prayer. In the midst of the sorrow, in the midst of her grief, she held on to her faith of Jesus and who he is. She didn't let her frustration get in the way of her faith. So many people use the excuse of prayers that weren't answered the way they wanted, over tragedies that happen in this life. They use it as an excuse to say, well, God doesn't care. No, God does. He loves us more than we could ever imagine. And sometimes we don't understand why He does 
some things over here and he doesn't do them over here, but God sees this bigger picture. He understands things that we don't know. We can't know. Our minds can't even handle or fathom. So what's so amazing is that the trust of Martha, even when her brother died, she still understood the power of Jesus as the Messiah. That kind of faith understands that something bigger is going on. I want to give you kind of a description of faith and what it is out of Hebrews 11.1. It says, Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. She had faith in the hope of Jesus, even though she couldn't see the bigger picture. She trusted him. She wept and wailed and she was torn up, but she didn't blame him. She just trusted him, trusting God through all things through things we can't understand. That's the faith that Martha demonstrated. That's why Proverbs 3.5, I love this verse. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not depend on your own understanding. See, our own understanding says, well, if you're God, if you can heal, if you can stop somebody from dying, why didn't you do it for this man that you love? Are you so heartless that you couldn't stop him from dying? Sometimes the greatest show of love and compassion is for Jesus to take a step back because he sees a bigger picture. Part of living by faith depend, and depending on Jesus, even when we don't understand, even when things don't make sense. Now, I want to shift gears back to Jesus and the disciples for a moment. I want you to take a look at the focus of Jesus. Remember, he was fully God, but he was also fully man. And Jesus' actions up to this point of the story might seem kind of confusing to the disciples and difficult for Jesus. Jesus understood there was a bigger picture when he restrained himself from going to Lazarus. Can you imagine? Jesus knows that his friend's sick, knows that his friend's about to die. He has the power to change it. And yet he waits. I think there was some inner turmoil there. I think there was some anguish there because of his human side. He knew he could go heal. He knew what he could do, but he also knew there was a bigger picture. It was a teaching moment for both the disciples and for all who witnessed this. Now, I want to prove to you the human side of Jesus in this. I want you to look at verses 4 through 6 and then 14 and 15. Look at verse 4 again. It says, But when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God, so that the Son of Man will receive glory from this. So although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. Finally, he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. Now jump down to verse 14. So he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake, I am glad I wasn't there. For now, you will really believe. Come, and let's go and see. He understood the bigger picture, this event was happening to solidify his disciples' faith in him, to solidify that he was the Son of God. He'd had all these miracles, but yet there was still doubt. He'd done all these great things, yet there was still doubt. There were still those that were struggling and wavering. And this was happening to solidify those things. 
was taken one more step to show that he was truly the Messiah. And I believe that this was a very difficult thing for him to do. If you look at verse 5 again, it said that although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, he stayed away fully knowing that it would cause them pain and sorrow. That's a big deal. He loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. He loved them. Had the power to change their situation, and yet he stayed away because he understood a bigger picture. It's one of the most difficult things we do as a parent or as a leader. When we see and have the power to change something, but we know that the person that we're looking at, maybe it's our child, maybe it's a coworker, maybe it's somebody that we're mentoring, we know they need to go through that difficulty. We know that they need to go through that pain to get to a place where they can be molded into the image of Christ, that they can learn from that. And it's hard for us to take a step back and just watch. Our natural instinct, especially as parents, is to protect, to save, and to, to, to comfort and to shield. It's kind of like teaching a child how to ride a bike, and, and you take those training wheels off, and you, you give them that shove for the first time, and maybe you run with them, and you're holding the handlebar in the seat, and you let go, and they start to wobble, and your natural instinct is to try and grab them, but if, they, if you grab them, they won't ever learn how to direct their balance. And yeah, they might fall. They might get hurt a little bit. But you're right there to pick them back up and say, let's do it again. Because you know that's how they're going to learn. It's painful. It's one of the hardest things to do as a parent is to watch our child struggle and suffer. And to know the best course of action that we can do is to step back to not do everything for them because they need to learn. And it takes discernment, it takes the Holy Spirit to know when to step back and when to intercede. It's a difficult thing. I've got a friend of mine, parent, has pastored, loves on people. Man, a great, great man. Yet his daughter could not overcome her addiction to drugs. In and out of jail, multiple children. Painful experience. I watched my friends struggle through this. I also sat there when, I wasn't there at that moment, but we talked through it, when he called the police and told them where to arrest his daughter because she was on drugs. And he feared for her life and the life of her children. Had her, his daughter arrested. Then worked with the court system to get her in a program where she could get rehabilitated. She had to go through the pain of being arrested, to going through prison, to getting into a program where she could be clean. She's been clean for several years now, caring for her kids. But it took that breaking moment, that moment where what was best for his child was to let her suffer to let her go through something that was painful and difficult so that on the other side she could be who God wanted her to be. Remember, Jesus is fully human. 
and fully God, and this was difficult for him. He's watching people that he loves suffer. Now look at the human emotions of Jesus for a minute in John 11, verses 33 through 39. It says, when Jesus saw her weeping, this is after Mary comes out, when he saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him, and he was deeply troubled. Where have they put him? He asked, and they told him, Lord, come and see. And then verse 35, shortest verse in the Bible, and Jesus wept. And the people who were standing nearby, see how much he loved him? But some people said, the man healed a blind man. Couldn't he keep Lazarus from dying? And Jesus was still angry as he arrived at the tomb. A cave with a stone rolled across the entrance. And he said, roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. When Jesus saw Mary hurting, when he saw the people wailing and crying, he was angry and he was sorrowful and he wept. And he also knew it was time for action. It doesn't say where his anger was directed. It just said he was angry. He had the human emotion of anger. Anger is not a sin. It's what we do with it. Jesus had all these emotions going on. When Jesus saw that hurt and pain, he did not like to see his friends suffering. He did not like to see them in pain. He did not like to see any of that. Yet he focused on the task at hand. Remember, I talked about the focus of Jesus. He knew what needed to be done. In the midst of his own sorrow, his frustration, his anger, he knew what he needed to do. Look at verses 39 through 44. It says, but Martha, the dead man's sister, protested, Lord, he has been dead for four days. The smell would be terrible. And Jesus responded, didn't I tell you you would see God's glory if you believe? So they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up at heaven and said, Father, I thank you for hearing me. You always hear me, but I said that out loud for the sake of all the people standing here. So that they will believe you sent me. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out. His hands and feet were bound in grave cloths. His face was wrapped in a head cloth. And Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. Even though Jesus was upset, even though he was hurting and frustrated, he focused on the task at hand. And in verse 40, he told Martha, didn't I tell you you would see God's glory if you would believe? Look, they would not see Jesus raised somebody from the dead. They would not see that Jesus, in that human moment, weep and struggle, but yet do what God had asked him to do and raise Lazarus from the dead after being dead four days. It was done to bring glory to the Son. It was done to bring glory to God so that those around him, specifically the disciples, would be firm in their relationship with him, in their belief of him. So I want to wrap this up today. I want to wrap this up today. What does this mean for you and I? We, I've never raised anybody from the dead. I know that it is possible. I know that there could be an occasion where Jesus does that. Paul, man, he was preaching so long, somebody fell out a window and died, and he prayed and he came back to life. Those are things that are possible because nothing is impossible for God. 
But the first thing is this, we need to have the faith of Martha. She understood that Jesus could do anything even when he did not do what she originally asked. She saw the bigger picture. Remember, there's a big picture going on here. So if we're going to reflect the light of Jesus, we need to have faith of Martha to understand that big things need to happen. That sometimes people that are there, instead of rescuing them, we need to let them struggle. It's all through the power of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes, the number two, sometimes faith requires waiting instead of fixing. Waiting instead of fixing. Our natural bent is to fix. We see something that needs to be fixed, we want to do it. We try to do it. We want to, we want to accomplish. And sometimes we need to let people struggle through. We need to let people learn on their own. It takes the power of the Holy Spirit again to help us to understand that. And the third thing is God's plans, or God sees the bigger picture. His plan is a bigger picture. Romans 8, 28 says this, And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose for them. We use that scripture a lot, but there's truth to it because God causes everything to work exactly to His plan. He can take every tragedy and use it. We don't see the bigger picture We don't know why God intervenes in some cases, and sometimes He doesn't. Sometimes there's a lesson for us to learn. Sometimes there's things that need to happen. But the big picture is this, that we trust Jesus through all of those things. We trust that He is going to take care of us. He said one really, really important thing that we need to remember and understand in all of this. Remember when, uh, when Martha said that, that Lazarus would be raised at the last day? And what did Jesus say? I am the resurrection and life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. Basically what he's saying is, put your trust in me and you'll have eternal life. We want to reflect how to live this life the way Jesus did. That's why we need to have the faith of Martha. That's why we need to listen to the Holy Spirit and know when to take a step back and when to intervene. That's why we need to remember that God has a bigger picture and that ultimately He is the resurrection and life. He is the one that has control over all things. We need to trust Him. He has invited us into that with Him. Do you trust Jesus? you trust that He's going to do what's right? Do you, when you pray, even though God doesn't answer the way you want Him to, do you trust Him to do what is right? He sees the bigger picture. We need to trust Him in that. I want to pray with you today. Remember, He said, I am the resurrection life. If you believe in me, you'll have eternal life. I want you to have that today. I want you to put your trust in Jesus today. So let's pray together. Father, I just ask right now that if there's anyone that's struggling in their faith, that you would draw them into you today. Maybe they're wrestling with why God doesn't intervene in certain circumstances. Lord, just show them your love through your Holy Spirit. 
Lord, I pray that you would help us when we struggle in our faith. Give us your strength. Help us to take one more step. And Lord, help us to trust you for the bigger picture. Lord, we thank you for what you're doing in us, what you're going to do through us, and what you're going to do in this community. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to thank you so much for worshiping with us today. Again, if you have questions, if you have thoughts, if you have frustrations, click on that prayer button. Talk to one of our hosts. Let them pray with you. Let them talk with you. We love you and we'll see you next time.